0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Predictive Recruitment Podcast. This month, our CEO Wendy sat down with Tom Glanfield, CEO of Lawrence Harvey. Tom talks through his business's journey from his girlfriend's spare room right through to a global brand approaching 100 employees. In this episode, you'll learn why Tom believes naivety is important, why businesses need to create a culture where sharing ideas is championed, and how to attract and incentivize talent to a new startup. It's a great conversation. I learned a lot from it. Here's Wendy speaking with Tom Glanfield.
1: Hello everyone, and I'm really excited. I've got Tom Glanfield here, um, who founded... Hi, hi Wendy. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for, yeah, yeah, thank you for um, spending the time with us this morning. We're going to hear a little bit more about how you founded the Lawrence Harvey Group back in 2002. Yeah. And yep. I'm really looking forward to hearing some of your story. I was lucky enough to meet you at one of the UK Recruiters Directors event, and uh, you, you, you made me giggle for, for at least the 15 minutes of your presentation, so I'm hoping that we can capture some of those laughs. Really? Uh, yes, you did. So that. And that's oh, my cute. God. <laughs> well, I'm
0: feeling, I'm feeling the pressure now. Uh, well, I'm also completely hungover this morning. I went out with uh, Darren Rymel from APIS last night, so we did. Uh, true recruitment fashion, uh, doing shots at the bar and everything—is uh, I'm definitely getting too old for this.
1: <laughs> well, let's think about it because you started your business in 2002. Um, yeah. We we joked because we had a wee catch up last week, and I'd said, "Oh yeah, you've got what eighty employees," but you said, "No, by the time you talk to me next week, you're definitely going to be almost at the 100 But you guaranteed <laughs> me, a, a, what was the figure?
0: Well, we're, we're ninety six now, I think ninety four, ninety five, around that, around, around that kind of figure. Um, uh, but um, we should be over the hundred mark by the end of the year. But hey, I guess uh, it's not about your headcount; it's about your your actual <laughs> what you're what you're doing as a business. So. I'm trying, trying to get too obsessed with headcount.
1: It is, but it just it gives you a good scale of of the scale, because, you know, you started back bedroom stuff on a student loan, 2002, I think we're going to learn, yeah. is, you know, your, your girlfriend's spare bedroom that's at sick. that time, and now you're running, you know, professional sector, a group of companies, tech, life sciences and energy, and you're doing about a 30 million, so that's not bad.
0: Yeah, it's getting there. It um, uh, do you, where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start the... In a nutshell, at the start, like what? Why don't you how, just, how we started?
1: Yeah, what I'm really interested in is when a company starts growing, and you've battered through lots of stages within the growth. So I'd love to hear mm-hmm. a little bit just about setting the scene of those early days when you started, because we have a lot of our um, audience that you know are at startup stage as well. And then sort of the yeah. the key pains that you went through maybe around the 16 and the 35 to 60. And if you just sort of spend the next 10 minutes talking us through that, I'd love to hear more about it.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so so just say that. Well, in a nutshell, I mean, I started uh, law and Harvey with um, just kind of eight months recruitment experience and um, and a nine grand graduate loan, so I had, I had very little money, and I guess that was the the main issue at the time is was, was cash, and uh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk you through some of the stages. But the first I'd say seven years are actually quite slow growth. After seven years, we we're only um, about uh, 12 people in headcount, um, uh, so and I'm sure some people listening to this have uh, already beaten that in a, if they've been going for seven years. Um, uh, but I started um, year worth 24, 25. Um, I looked very, very young then so I was always very conscious that I, I didn't want to call the company Tom Glanfield Associates and me be the only person and people question uh, this company when they're seeing this uh, young kid turn up so I, um, I called the company Lawrence Harvey which is some family names um, and once it, sounded, make it sound large and established um, I actually changed my name so I was trading under Tom Edwards, Edward being my middle name and Tom Glanfield was my director. So when I saw people, I just said I was the consultant, and if people ever wanted to try and create or or whatever, um, I'd say you know on on a rate, I'd say you, you need to get that confirmation from uh, Tom Glanfield. But do you really want to speak to him? He's, he's quite a scary guy, you know. And uh, uh, so I'd always use him as a kind of like imaginary figure. Anyone's ever watched *Usual Suspects*? You've got Kaiser Schlossley or whatever. Um, uh, but then um, to make it sound like a big business, I mean, okay, I, this is probably going to sound terrible. But I guess I. Told some white lies at the start. I um I said it was a kind of a small small business. Um, but I recorded uh, me and ten friends on the phones and played it on surround sound uh, in my girlfriend's attic. So it sounded like a busy office whenever I phoned uh, clients. And I had I installed three lines: a main company n- number, a fax number, and a direct line for me. So so I didn't want them to always think why am only ever speaking to me and um, why why is it someone else picked up. If my oh. girlfriend ever came home, I'd always try and get her to answer the phone just as another voice. And um, and then I changed the name of our house to Harvey House, um, oh, so we maybe. registered to make it sound like a a big a big, uh, corporate. I think most of our uh, companies thought we were quite a, a large company when it was uh, just a one man, a 24 uh, year old kid sitting in his underpants in his, in in the attic, basically. <laughs> um, uh, it took me about a year and a half to save enough money to actually get an office. So I went I went to an office share. It then took me another kind of six months to get enough cash. So I've been getting about two years by, by sort of two thousand and four I made my first hire and um uh, I wanted six months kind of running costs in the bank and um and because I was taking on a graduate it was gonna take time out of my day to be training that person. So I really wanted that kind of safety net. Yeah. So I guess I was quite cautious uh, initially and then I guess we, we, we started growing and uh, I took on graduates. I never um, managed before so it was all quite new to me and uh, I always painted quite a clear vision like where I wanted to get the company to and one day we're going to be this kind of global outfit and it's the best time to be joining us now. We were based in a very cheap office in Clapham, Clapham Junction in a live work unit and I actually slept mm-hmm. in the office at night because I, again I had no money so I just pulled out a safer bed and I would sleep in the office. And I think. When you start, it's all about, I guess, cash, and I had none of it. So, um, you know, I see companies nowadays are like expensive. Ogden, start, you know, with a kind of few million budgets, and uh, and I think it makes such a such a difference if you've got that initial cash. So we kept growing, um, uh, and we were growing organically uh, with graduates. But I guess um, when we got kind of to about ten, twelve people, it just felt like it was still going quite slowly, not as, as fast as I wanted it. We yeah, With a graduate, I think you train them, uh, you know, there's an actually quite a higher turnover of staff at, at that kind of level and, um, and then for them to become a proper team leader, they really need about three years decent experience, um, I think, so they can manage properly. So if you're just reliant initially on just taking on graduates and training them, you're, you're going to always have that slower growth but you'll, you'll also get a good culture from it because um, they really you know, believe in the company and they're used to your culture, they, they haven't come from a different culture. But no matter what I told them, um the billings weren't quite there. yet. Yeah, our top top staff member was doing about two hundred and thirty thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand in, in, in billings in perm. Um, we had no contract desk and I'd never run contract before and I really so had no permanent. idea on that. Yeah, so it was all permanent. we were about only about a million um GP then, um, and about ten staff in two thousand and seven. So I I, I made a, a key decision which was um I wanted to take on three key hires. Um, I wanted to take on someone to start contract for us, someone to start uh, perm for us, uh, as in a, a top perm biller from another organization, just to bring a bit of um, competition and raise the bar of the office. And um, and then also a, a strong manager, team leader. He could really help me kind of grow uh, and manage manage the business. So I actually uh, headhunted uh, Amy, who was the top biller from Progressive, uh, Julian, who was a uh, top contract biller from Hydrogen, and uh, Adam, who was a a very strong manager from Madison Black, uh, again at s and what I did is I actually offered them uh, quite significant equity stakes in the company and I think um, some people um, kind of get too precious in equity, but I always think um, it's better to have less or something that's worth more. So I offered really significant stakes, they could get up to 10% each, I offered the same to one of my other managers in the company, so this was basically 40% of the company I was willing to give away at this stage. 10% 10% each for, on a five year plan where they could get 2% per year and and that made a really significant difference because I could bring them in on I guess I, I didn't have to pay as much as other people were offering them and, and they were obviously significantly motivated. I, I painted the same kind of dream to them and uh, and I, I very much got them all on board by you know, telling you know, Julian that Amy was joining a top bill from Progressive and then Amy was saying I have got a top contract bill from Hydrogen uh, coming in so I had to really kind of bring them all in to together. Kind of dream team. And and uh, yeah, it really worked. Um, Julian grew our, our contract desk really rapidly um, to about 80, 80 contractors out within within a couple of years. And within a couple of years, Amy was billing sort of 550KGP in perm, which was amazing. And, um, and what effect that had was, was twofold. It was just A, well, cash-wise, it was amazing for yeah. us. B, attracting people and for someone to be doing that kind of level of business in the office, it was easier to, to attract people, but then mainly the inspirational aspect where suddenly the whole top ten leaderboard, everyone raises their game, so suddenly the person in second place was doing sort of 300, the person in third place is doing 280, and, and it actually had a quite significant impact on our, on our GP.
1: Yeah.
0: So, enough you know, that we saved enough to go from Clapham to uh, London. Um, and we hit the, the Times fast track around that sort of time. Um, we'd um, got to about 12 million, 10 million turnover. Um, this is in about 2010. And so we hit the, the Virgin fast track in, in 2012. Um,
1: and it doesn't and, seem like um, you had a huge amount of people there. I mean, it sounds like you've, you've grown organically, but it's been really the key people that you're attracted.
0: Between attracting them and 2012, so 2010, 2009 to 2012, we we grew to 24 staff. Uh, so we start. So this is when we started growing fairly rapidly, and we we're almost starting to grow by about 20 heads each year um, going forward. And I think just once you've got that initial cash buffer and um, and that framework and that management team in place, everything starts becoming easier. But I still wanted to attract more key people in. so. I kind of made this decision that I didn't really want to give more than forty percent of my business away. So, um, so even though the guys only had options, uh, EMI options, um, which I think are, are better than than actually offering actual shares themselves because um, you get some really good tax breaks. Yeah. Um, I said, I got them all in the room, and I said, look, um, uh, I want to grow this business even harder, faster, and for our equity to be worth something. So, either and I'm not prepared to give up any more. So, either. We'll give a percentage of equity for free. Say, or I'll give you money for it. So I say the company's value is roughly this. Um, you know, if you've got 10%, then for 5%, I'm going to give you slightly less uh, value because the company hasn't sold. So I'm going to give you, say, 40,000 pounds for for 5%. Um, so so basically, everyone took it. Um, you know, they took. I think I paid out uh, something like 150000 to get 20% of my business back, uh, which was a really good move. And then I effectively then gave that out for free to other people. And I think um, lots of people do do share schemes, but uh, I think a lot of people don't really believe in the value and don't see the value. And I think the whole point of them is, is to always, people to really, really believe in it. Uh, and the fact that I gave money for it, people yeah. suddenly started realizing that equity has value. And I, I'm always painting the picture. Whenever someone sells or whatever, I was like, they sold for this value, and this is what they were doing. And you know, Faden sold a chunk of their business recently, so I immediately told my managers about that. Told about S3 flating, obviously, and and what the directors kind of made there. And um, so you're always trying to keep them really hyper motivated and um, focused on on this value that that can come further down the line. Uh, so I use that equity to then attract other people, and and I guess we're we'll always changing, So we're we'll always Evolving and changing, that it's always um, about trying to get some of that equity back and then put it back in a, in a different fashion, um, but keep, keeping people very motivated. So we've since opened a German office um, and a New York office, and we've we've got four different brands now. So so Lawrence Harvey is a tech brand, life sciences. We're just rebranding as, as a separate um, brand. Uh, we've got Harper Harrison, which is a um, uh, engineering specialist, and Piper Maddox, which is our energy specialist. So now we have we have actually available in each brand, and then for the heads of locations uh, like London or New York or Munich and San Francisco, which is just opening, there's another 10% of the company aside, uh, where where these guys can go into this one pot, and depending on their contribution of their region, it's a percentage of that pot that they they can get. So they're very motivated to really. Grow that that office, and it and it brings a kind of healthy competitiveness uh, within the company.
1: I mean, what what I love about hearing about this is that you know I talk to lots of business owners, and you know you're really the reason why I think everybody believes in the value that is legitimately in your company is that you believe so much in the value of every single share, and they can see your belief in 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 that in that share and what you're what you're willing to either buy back you know play with um, offer out you know you're actually using all the assets in the company and that's something that I have yeah. not seen in another company before and you know I suppose I've just got to say because as you said you know you started business quite young etc as well like were you just coming up with these ideas yourself because you know incentivizing with shares yeah yeah can- I, I
0: actually um did all this myself and I, I did Start taking non-exec on um, uh, a few years ago, and, um, and it, I mean it was no disrespect to any non-exec because I think they always bring value and it's always good to hear different ideas. But I almost felt like it stagnated a bit yeah. once I got those non-execs on, and I I kind of always use it to get more hands off. And um, and actually recently I've got rid of non-execs. I actually use James Ash now as a as a kind of uh, external COO, um, chief operations officer, and yeah. um, just to take the operational stuff away from me because um, a bit worse than that than the south side, um, but um, but just to get that naivety back, cause I think sometimes um, I, don't know, I think sometimes a bit of naivety is really good. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. if I'd taken advice when I started Lawrence Harvey and someone, everyone would have told me, yeah, you're too young, you haven't got enough experience, you've got no cash, what are you thinking? And I probably would have not done it. Um, uh, you know, and I think sometimes a bit of naivety, total self belief, you can you can do it. So even this scheme with um with the, the leaders of each country. Um, it's something I've designed, and I don't know if anyone else has done it. I don't really care, but it seems to work for us. And, uh, and that's uh, you know, what I've learned with these schemes is if you say you give out 10% over five years and you're giving out 2% per year, but what happens if after five years, if you haven't sold in that time? And, or what happens if they miss an equity target? If you, give, if you give specific targets to get, say, 2% and they miss it, it can become very demotivational. Yeah. So, so what we do now is... Um, we just have a share class that's worth 10% of the company, all these guys have, a sh- have an option over that 10%, um, but the number of shares in that class that get issued to them depends on the percentage of contribution of that year, if this is making sense, but, um, but say, say there's 10% and that share class is 100 shares, if you ran New York and did 50% of the profits of the group for that year you'd get fifty shares. Um mm-hmm. then the next year we'd we'd issue another two hundred shares to that pot. And if your office did sixty percent, you'd get sixty percent of those new shares issued. And then and then when when we come to sell in the end, um, you'd be able to work out what percentage what what percentage you have of that ten percent. If totally. that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, I mean it's um, like you're putting the big trophy out there and you know, competitiveness is something that I think I can feel in you and i'm sure is throughout the whole of the setup of your business and you're basically saying look there's a the trophy you guys you've got an opportunity and whoever reaches there mm-hmm. first you get a bigger slice of the pie um competitiveness is that something you are very keen to make sure you put into the whole of the the, the company
0: yeah yeah so so i think constant um drive and competition is what kind of keeps us going and uh Makes everything fun, I guess. Well, I, I guess it always has been for me, and um, and uh, so I guess I naturally do that in in the company. Um, we have leaderboards like you would in any company. I guess what we try to do is always stimulate the whole company. So we have a gold fleet, a silver fleet, and a bronze fleet. Um, <laughs> uh, so the top ten is the gold fleet. Uh, the next ten is the silver fleet, and the next ten is the bronze fleet. And uh, we have, you know, we'll say each each week or every other week, right? Like Goldfleet, you can come in um an hour later on the Friday or um or you're gonna get uh or the Gold Fleet we're all gonna go for lunch today or the Silver Fleet we're doing this. Um and there's quite a lot of kudos in the company trying to get into those fleets but then equally if you got people in the middle, you can still say to them, look, you try and get to the top of the silver fleet or, you know, I think uh too many companies get so focused on the top three kind of salespeople and uh yeah. Forget about the rest, and actually, you get you get the most. You're trying to you're trying to get the middle of the the, the pack, really, kind of uh, raising that. Um, th- that's the hard part, and um, that's what we try and focus on, really. Not so much the top guys. It's obviously about retaining them, and again, we have equity schemes for them as well. But we, we've also um, got all the staff to to invest in the company. So, so we actually had a we had we had quite a tough last couple of years. We were in oil and gas, and that market completely crashed. Um, yeah. uh, and at the same time, I was still desperate to keep Growing and I've always, always wanted to be look like the company's growing, no matter how badly we're doing. Um, uh, just because, again, I'm obsessed with everyone completely believing that this company's going somewhere. and My shares are going to be worth something. Uh, for me, if you ever step back, it's it's really bad. Um, it's a really bad uh, sign to the company. So w- when uh, the oil and gas kind of crash happened, it it really affected us. Um, we we're doing about six million GP, mm-hmm. and and um, the team that were billing one and a half million in perma oil and gas and uh, we kind of lost the whole team in, in space of about over that over that kind of 2014 uh, year and um, at the same time I was getting divorced which is uh, a bit painful. Uh, so, so I really needed the cash because we were trying to expand New York. Was
1: it the company or the divorce you needed the cash for? <laughs> uh,
0: well, first, you yeah, first, but, but... don't need to that. But... Definitely the company. Uh, I've, actually, <laughs> I've actually never been that uh, into into money myself. I'll happily sleep in the office or eat baked beans the rest of my life. Um, but um, yeah, I got all the staff together and I just said, yeah, we want to keep growing this company. We want to um, grow to New York now, some money for the bank to expand. But rather than do that, I'd rather give you the opportunity to, to get the benefit of that. So um, what I did is I got all every, so I offered it to every senior consultant and above. And um, there's about 38 of them. And they all, Chipped in about five grand each to to buy equity in the company, and so we got we raised about two hundred and fifty grand just from our own staff. And and the the great thing about it was, we said that they'd get their money back if they ever left the company, and we'd give them a, a guarantee, guaranteed eight uh, percent okay. interest on their on their money each year. But to get the interest, they'd have to stay for at least um, three years. So you kind of get that that tie in as well, but also. When consultants go to client meetings now they're saying it's not Tom's company it's, it's our company and I've uh-huh. always really promoted that that it's inclusion it's our company it's not my company it's our thing I think if you make it all about you then or, or a it's not very inspirational but also b um, you're never going to be able to step away yourself in the future.
1: I mean it's something I look at with admiration actually on it because it's and you know I've running run my own business as well in terms of the recruitment agency side and sometimes it is just so hard to you actually have the desire you have the you want to be able to make sure it's not all about you but actually trying to achieve that in the way that you've done is 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 really um I I, I know you as well you're very hard on yourself but it is awesome um and there are so many people there that go through this and they're 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 creative they want to find a way and they just haven't managed to find that way in order to grow the management team and And I think the way that you've played the stock, you've, you know, instead of just simple things of, right, if I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to pay them anyway, well, I might as well pay my staff, you know, and you get the benefit of it. It's it's, the thing I love is that you've just taken, you've taken the rules that were really not meant to play by. And you thought, why not? (laughs) I I probably would hate to be an advisor into your business because you probably like test them every time you're like, nobody's ever done that. (laughs) Um, (sighs) But it's good. Yeah.
0: No, we do. Um, uh, we probably do things a bit differently. Uh, yeah, this year we're we now bringing out service league. So um, uh, we're actually getting feedback of our clients and our service for the consultants, and um, and saying uh, instead of like the top billers going on holiday, the the top people who are rated by their clients uh, make the holiday trips or, or whatever. Um, I will try and do things a bit differently. Um, uh, I think you asked about sort of culture and things like that, yes. and um, and what I've kind of worked out is um is is we've always tried to keep this real inclusive kind of culture in the in the business. Um, so you've got to really kinda of plan that quite well. And um like the share schemes, yeah, you know, we've now broken it down that that the kind of key guys in each brand can get shares of regions um and uh, locations. So we spread the, the equity out more, um, to make it more localized. But um with the different regions, so so when Munich starts in New York, um I heard you know, one of the biggest reasons um, offices fail is uh, is because uh, is because people feel quite isolated or not part of something. Um yeah. So we we got these 65-inch uh, um, uh, plasma screens um, uh, in in our office and and in the and we just put a a live um, streaming webcam from office to office. So yeah. it's on all the time. So you you just walk past and you wave to everyone in Munich, and they wave back, and everyone in New York and uh, kind of really weird it's like a big window um and and literally the manager can walk up to the TV and you can just talk to it um, uh, and it's a really cheap way of um of really um, getting that inclusive feel with your with your offices so when they do a deal, everyone stands up and claps in the London office and <laughs> and you see everyone clapping in the new york office and so the whole kind of global network is all kind of celebrating together and then when we were small, I always used to have meetings where I'm asking everyone's opinion on stuff and uh it's it's we try and maintain. So once a month I do um, an innovation meeting where anyone in the company can come into the boardroom and give me their ideas on what we can do better, what what we're doing badly. Um, We have a board um, team. Um, Then we have below that we have a leadership team which is like kind of senior managers. And then below that we have a management team now. Um, So we always try and keep these teams that will communicate together to keep this culture of everyone sharing ideas always coming together um you know monthly and then everyone's trying to get into the next team so the managers are like team leader level are wanting to get to the leadership team and then the leadership team are wanting to get into the board and um, and with management training we, we um we get the management training to focus on you know one year or ho- one half of the year leadership team and then the management team um and uh, you yeah, I've learned with scale it's all about leadership really and I think when I started it was all about billings but now I've worked out it's all about leadership um having that that infrastructure and then you can really kind of grow from it.
1: Don when you look at your company now do you still recognize the reason why you went and started in business the reason why you're like sleeping in the office because you had nowhere to go do you still see that you still very much a part of those values that you started off with?
0: Yeah I, I think when you saw me um at Louise's thing uh, mm-hmm. I am um, I did a, a speech then, and um, uh, I mean it sounds a little bit camp, but uh, but my my biggest role model was um, was David Beckham. Like I, I literally think he was the most inspirational England captain I've ever seen. He was a guy, you know, I remember leading England to the World Cup, where you know it was like even the commentator was like it, it's Beckham versus Greece or whatever, and uh, him doing that free kick at the end. But but also I just loved his um, his values, where you know he was always first on the pitch, last off it. Um, always he he didn't. He didn't lead by shouting at people. He led by by example. And I guess I've always tried to emulate that. I wouldn't say that I'm a natural like leader of men in the style of like uh, if I go with my mates, I'm not the one shouting at everyone and uh, pushing everyone. And um, but but when I'm in work, I'm very much first in the office, last in, last out. Um, it's kind of always do as I do, not do as I say. You know, when I took my first people I was very much billing and um and I was like, You have to try and beat me and, and even now, um even now I uh, so so I, I'd actually say that, yeah, I, I think I, I let go of some of those values. Um, probably back in two thousand fourteen and fifteen when I was going through the divorce, I actually uh was getting in late and and I think it uh you know, and I, I wasn't seen on the floor as much and I think it really did affect the business and uh mm-hmm. So recently, I've I've got really back in hands-on, and um and yeah, you know, the first thing I did was uh you know just get on the sales floor, um and say right, whoever can make more calls than me today uh, across the whole company will will get a bottle of champagne or whatever. And I've done it before where for every call you beat me by, I give you a bottle of champagne. For every call you beat me by, which was a mistake once, I had to give uh fifteen bottles of Bollinger to one graduate once.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> um, I think you but, must,
0: but things like that, I think. Um, just just to uh, keep it. Keep, your, up, keep yeah, it. you're always the guy that that's really hands-on, and uh, I think as soon as you look like a guy who's just coming in late and you're driving a Ferrari or something, and then everyone yeah becomes quite disillusioned. You yeah. know, I've, I've got a Kia Sportage. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, probably pay myself the least of the whole company. Um, but and uh, and I think uh, as long as you've got that kind of hard-working lead from the front mentality, then that's that's kind of what people want to work for.
1: Tom, I think you must be the most annoying but best boss to work with. So, and, and I think if you get the I right d- people, um, they are just going to thrive in that. <laughs> so, I th- I, well, I, um, I, you know, I, I think for the right people that are looking for that challenge in that environment, you know, it, it's, well, it speaks for itself. You know, you're you're able to attract candidates. You're getting good recruiters on. You've got loyalty. And, you know, every week you're sort of saying, yeah, I've got another employee, etc." It, it's fab. So I suppose that leads us nicely on to yeah. w- what's next? You know, when, when are you going to be happy?
0: <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely, with, with my combined work, Race and um, the hours I dedicate to—I definitely can't do it forever. And I'm not—I'm not someone that um, can only do something half-heartedly. Um, so I think it is definitely getting to a level, and then and then um, being able to sell one day. Um, we've been really trying to establish ourselves each brand um, as a as a true international brand. Um, but then it's about sort of raising profitability as well. And I guess in the next four years, we probably will look to exit. So so we very much want to get to the kind of four million EBIT. Plus, kind of mark, and then, yeah, as a as a business, you're yeah with an eight multiple, you will kind cover of at 36 million plus kind of value. Um, and I guess that's that's kind of what we're aiming for. But as again, again, it's not all about the money for me. But I just I, there's no way I could do this forever because um uh, I just think um, for the amount of energy you have to put to to really continue leading and inspiring, um, you, you can't do it half heartedly. I can never anything I could just give it to an MD or something and walk away um, yeah. I need to be completely in it or completely out of it right. so for me I'm completely in it for at least the next four or five years and then we'd we'll probably look to try and do some kind of ex- exit then.
1: Yeah, Amazing and I've got no doubt that you're gonna achieve it Um, and, and to be able to sort of tell me the story whilst also quite badly hung over, uh, fair, fair dues! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I'm definitely, definitely hung over, I'm definitely turned to a lightweight I'll tell you. And I know um, you've
1: got lunch after this as well so <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well it, I, I'm, as it makes you sound like a, some kind of alcoholic, um it's uh, it's Thursday. You brought it um, up but um yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely uh definitely recruitment is uh I think uh,
1: uh
0: is is definitely is definitely a, a hard game to really maintain a certain level, but uh yeah, it's just constant drinks with staff or clients or candidates and uh um, but yeah, it's definitely fun. Definitely hey fun. listen,
1: it's it's work hard, play hard and, and you know it's uh that that those are the those are the sort of people that we love it is in your blood and you know that, that works um and you know, that's what we enjoy. So you shouldn't yeah, that's good. So look if somebody's wanting to try and get yeah, hold of you, you, um where where can we find you? Uh, apart from the fact that I know that you're going to be uh, involved in the top recruiter that's coming out as well. Um where can we find you? Yeah. you on Twitter, LinkedIn, what's the best way of connecting?
0: Um uh I am on Twitter, but I have no idea what my address is. We'll, also, post
1: out the, we'll post out your Twitter feed so that people can connect with you. Yeah,
0: paste out up, up my Twitter feed. Uh, but uh, uh, Tom Glanfield, and yeah, if anyone, everyone's get in touch, I'm always open to meeting anyone for a coffee or, or whatever. I'm happy to share experiences. And um, and as I say, I'm always wanting to learn from other people. Yeah, you, I think you learn off anyone you meet, and um, so it's always good to hear everyone's stories and um, try and take something from it.
1: amazing so thank you so much I've really enjoyed that and I know our listeners are all as well so thanks for spending the time with us this morning
0: Cool. Thank you. Cheers, Wendy. Uh,
1: If you like this podcast, um, we've got um, lots of other episodes now of the Predicted Recruitment Podcast. They're all available on iTunes. Um, And, of course, if you like what we're doing, um, then please take a moment to write a review or give us um, a little five-star rating and definitely subscribe. So that will keep us um, going and doing what we're doing and generating more content for everybody out there. So just once again, thank you so much, Tom. And, um, yeah, look forward to, to seeing the next four or five years and what damage you'll be able to do.
0: Yeah. Cheers, Wendy. Thanks uh, a lot. Stay tuned Um stay in touch and uh, see, see you soon, hopefully.
1: That's brilliant. Thanks, Tom.